Hi, and welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Uh, tonight, we are live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. We welcome you. The contents of this show are perhaps the most important in watching before you watch any of the others. And so we hope that we'll be able to refer back to this show specifically when people have questions about our mission, our ministry, and our methods of talking with people. Listen to this. If you have friends who are in another part of the states or country or world that would be interested in this show, grab your phone and call them. Tell them to go to our webpage, click on that, and they will be able to see how to go online right now and tune into the show. So if you know people out of state who would be interested in watching and have internet access, go to the site, click on Heart of the Matter, and they'll be able to watch the show first time worldwide tonight. So we welcome those people who are already on watching, and let's go from there. Okay, some follow-up. Last week we had a man named Bob who called and we had a disagreement about the word uh, proscunio, which is a Greek word, and he, what he said was that obeisance was uh, a synonym for proscunio, and I said, no, it's not, because I know that obeisance wasn't in the Greek New Testament. What Bob was meaning was that it was uh, synonymous with worship. And in the two times obeisance is mentioned in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, he's right. So he was right on that point. I was right in the fact that obeisance is not part of the word proscunio when it talks about worship in the Greek New Testament. This is interesting, though, because really all this is, again, is spin. The real issue is, is Jesus worshipped? by the congregations, by the congregates in the different wards and stakes in the LDS church. I still say no. I still say no. Okay, let's go to uh, turn to Psalms 9, kind of in relation to this for a moment. I want to point something out that is very important right here in Utah today, and it deals with the I-15 and some emails and, and mailers some of you may have gotten. Psalms 9 says, David writing, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Okay, that is what David said. Let's talk about that verse for a minute. I will praise thee. That word praise in the Hebrew is yada, like yada, yada, yada. And where that comes from is from the word yad, which is hand. Okay, this is interesting. And yada literally means lifting the hands in worship, in praise. That's what yada means. And, the, and, when, and when David says, I will praise thee, he's talking about yada yada with his hands. And if you go to the wailing wall and you look at what they do, with their, their hands are up and they're praising, talking to Jehovah, that is what they're doing. Jehovah God, they are talking to him and they're praising him with their hands. Okay? So I will praise thee. O Lord. Those, that word, O Lord, the words, O Lord, are Yehovah, or the Tetragrammaton is the name of it, four letters, we don't know the vowel sounds necessarily in the Hebrew, and that is the name for God. And what it means is the self-existent or eternal Jehovah, all right? It's the Lord, the self-existent. Now, Latter-day Saints say that Jehovah is Jesus, but they say Jesus was created, but Jehovah in the Old Testament is the self-existent one. 
Okay, so we have, I will praise thee, Jehovah. All right, and then it goes on to say, with my whole heart, and that's leb in the, in the Hebrew. And it means your feelings, your will, your intellect, and it's comparable to the Greek with the word suke, which is the same, your feelings, your will, the soul, your psyche, your psyche. So to fully understand this single verse in our language, it would read something like this. I will lift my hands in worship for you, O self-existent and uncreated God of all things. I do this with my entire being. That's what David is saying if we kind of transliterated it into the English. Off the I-15 in the Salt Lake City area is a billboard. And on that billboard, we're going to bring up a graphic right now and show you. That says, praise to the man. Praise to the man. Okay? David says, I will praise you, you self-existent God, with my whole heart. This billboard says, praise to what? To the man. And that encapsulates a lot of what we see in many Latter-day Saints today. Praising to the man. I uh, find it extremely disturbing. And it's just another evidence of what really is going on there in the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. All right, let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise your name. We're grateful for this time. Be with our viewers. Help uh, me as I try to host it. Let me just uh, die to myself and speak and do the things you want me to. Bless our crew. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's show should really have been done as our first show. If we had been professional TV, or if I had been a professional TV person, I would have made this our first show, but I didn't think of it. And we've titled it, as you saw, Mission, Ministry, and Methods. I hope this becomes the show that we can always point people back to to understand why we do what we do. I apologize in advance. Right now, I apologize for all the first-person references I'm going to use at the first part. It's only going to be about 15 minutes, but I'm going to refer to myself a lot here. And uh, I don't like to do that. Honestly, I don't, but uh, I have to to kind of set the stage. Uh, I was born in Los Angeles and into an LDS home. My parents converted before I was born. I have uh, brothers and sisters, all LDS. Um, I served a full-time mission in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, married in the L.A. Temple to my wife, sealed for time and all eternity. I went on to be an early morning seminary teacher and elders quorum president. I served in a bishopric. I served on a stake high council. I was made a high priest. I uh, really came to understand what Mormonism was about as a member and as someone wanting to believe that it was true. Shortly after our marriage, I began to become very dissatisfied in my spiritual relationship to the Lord, who I called Heavenly Father. I just did not feel like I was worthy in His presence and had done nothing where I shouldn't have felt worthy except for just live a life. And um, I began to search in order to kind of quell my questioning. I first searched through LDS scripture and then I searched through LDS history and I went the critical path and got heavily into anti-Mormon literature. I left that, I got into philosophy and studied philosophy for a good solid decade, if, uh, if not more. Uh, I turned to Eastern metaphysics, I turned to Islam, I read the Quran, I did as much studying as I could to try to find God somewhere in there, all the while remaining an active Latter-day Saint, 
Maybe some of you have done the same thing or in the process of doing that same thing, searching for more and more truth, but never able to come to it. After 13 years, I became very disenchanted. I, my life started to fall apart. I turned to sin to uh, quell my nature of being so dissatisfied. Uh, and in 1997, I came to know the Lord alongside a busy highway, and by the end of the day, He had changed my life radically. I had a new worldview, and I came to know Him for who He is and what He means biblically. I continued on active as a Latter-day Saint for the next four years. Now, you'll notice when you go to our website, you'll see that we sell a book that is called Born Again Mormon moving toward Christian authenticity. The reason we have that title is because I know from my own experience people can experience rebirth and still be in the LDS church. Now I think the Lord will lead them to truth once they've come to know Him and that is usually out and into another Christian Bible believing church but we use that title just to know that hey give Jesus a chance. You don't, don't leave your church if you don't want to. It's a big cultural thing, family thing. Just give Jesus that chance. Really give him your heart and ask him to change it and see what he does. So that's why we titled it that. I began to study his word and began to uh, try to come to know him through my Christian friends and uh, through uh, listening to radio pastors. In 2001, I approached our stake president in Park City, Utah, and I asked to be excommunicated. I sent a letter. I said that I was, as Jean-Paul Sartre said, the, the French philosopher, I've never met a man more evil than myself, and I quote this because it was written in the letter. Um, I also uh, gave several reasons why I had problems with LDS theology and doctrine, and that I, if I ever wanted to be a member of the church again, I wanted to choose it on my own terms and not be a, a Mormon because my mom and dad were when I was born, and I wanted really to find out if that's something I wanted to do. I demanded excommunication. They tried to talk me out of it, and I said, I want to be excommunicated, and I was. In 2002, I felt inclined to write a book, and I wrote this book for my daughters, who were active LDS, along with my wife, active LDS. I wanted them to know what had happened to me at the side of that road relative to the religion in which they were involved. The book is not anti-Mormon literature. The book is just the truth on what happens when you're born again. I had no idea what they would do with their religion. I did not try to get them to leave their religion. I just simply became a Christian man there in the home. A few people who also read the book suggested that I publish it. And so instead of waiting to find a publishing company that would do it, I self-published it and I built a website that would help me get it out into the, the, the public view. Word got out in the leaders of my family and friends that I had a website and a book now and they began to talk. And one of the things they did most often is they would say, I don't like the byline of your book. It's Born Again Mormon moving toward Christian authenticity. And I had many LDS friends and family members say, we're Christian, what are you talking about? That title's ridiculous. Or we are a Christian church, we believe in Christ. Have you ever looked at that? I mean, they kept talking about we're Christian, we're Christian, we're Christian. Well, I kind of got fed up with that. And I like to take things uh, into my own hands, especially then. Now I try to wait on the Lord, but I kind of got fed up with that. And so I decided that I was going to take some action and push this thing to the limit. 
I haven't talked about this on, on the show yet. A couple of years had passed since my excommunication and my wife and I made an appointment to see her stake president in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, in the meeting, I requested that I could be rebaptized in the LDS church. Our stake president was admittedly a very kind man and he was very uh, soft-spoken and gentle and he listened and we discussed in detail my conscience, we discussed my love for Jesus, we discussed my love for the Bible, we discussed my willingness to obey the LDS commandments which are you know kind of listed out no problem whatsoever I was more more in tune with God then than ever before we listed uh, the expectations of the church I had no problem saying I would agree to all of those expectations we even uh, I even said I would keep my radical opinions to myself if they let me join the church and I even said I will burn the book and I will close down the website if you let me come back and be a member of the church he said okay well let me read you some questions and he read me the baptismal questions and there was two things that I could not agree to one of them was that to be a member of the church I had to accept Joseph Smith completely the second thing was is that I had to say that the LDS church was the only true church on the face of the earth. I could not do either of those things. And I was therefore not allowed to become a member of the LDS church again. My life-changing faith and adoration of Jesus was not enough to be a Mormon. I had to have faith in Joseph Smith as well. I knew this would happen. I wasn't so dumb to think that I was going to go in and they were going to say, come on in, Christian. But I had to have it happen officially so that we could talk about this and what it means. Just take a moment and think about this. Think about it. I am a Christian man who loves the Lord, will serve the Lord. I want to follow the Lord Jesus with all my heart. I love his word. I promise not to preach against it, but I had to accept a man named Joseph Smith in order to be a Mormon. That's what they told me. I had to say that the Mormon church is the only true church on the face of the earth. Now, I give them the right to say that to me, of course. They did, and they said it. But isn't it ironic that a man who devotes everything to Jesus can't be Mormon. Isn't that funny to you? I walked out. Jesus is just not enough. He's not enough for them. Do you see the problem? Will you stand up and voice your opinion of this Latter-day Saints? Start saying, I'm going to walk. Because I know from experience of being in the wards, of having people at my house and talking to me, many of you don't accept Joseph Smith. Many of you love the Bible. Many of you don't believe the golden plate story. You shouldn't be LDS because if you left and tried to come back they wouldn't let you unless you embraced him, the man. Alright? Mary and I thanked the stake president. We walked out. She asked me what I thought and I replied that I had done the only thing I could possibly do. The only thing that I could do. And she said she agreed. It is frankly hard to believe that a repentant individual who professes real undying faith in Jesus Christ 
a willingness to love, obey, and serve God, and a desire to live according to the outward demands and expectations of a certain religious institution would be refused baptism in a church in light of this faith and commitment. That is not Christianity. If you say you're Christian, I've put it to the test. I put it right to the test of the highest ecclesiastical leader there, and they dropped it. Don't say you're Christian. I want to read something, which I, I don't ever do. This is from a personal journal. I have several of them that I kept. And this is what I wrote um, shortly. It's dated uh, September 2003. Please bear with me. It is short, but it is to the point. I am about to embark, God willing, on the most aggressive religious battle since Luther posted his thesis. Jesus is not found in the hearts of too many Latter-day Saints. Joseph is. Brigham is. The church is. Yesterday I fasted and prayed all day for direction, and the gates of hell and depression engulfed my soul for a time. I am actually afraid to some extent, and if I didn't know what the truth was from first-hand experience, I would run. May God be with me, strengthen me, support my resolve, and bathe me in his patience, kindness, and love. I most certainly need it. It is either the biblical Jesus or it is the Mormon God. Because I have experienced rebirth, I must reject the LDS attraction and go to war. That was 1993. The Lord has opened up all kinds of doors for us to reach out to LDS on this platform and for the reason of bringing Jesus primarily into the church. As a result of this, I, uh, passion, I was then led to go into a school of ministry full-time for two years where I studied the Bible uh, in an exegetical sense, uh, reading it inductively and trying to understand what it meant in context. Um, toward the end of my studies, an opportunity uh, arrived here for me to do this show. This came by virtue of faith of a station manager and his wife. It came by virtue of us just trying something. And we've been inundated with response as a result. As the ministry has grown, we've received a number of criticisms. I'm going to cover them quickly. The most frequent is you have no right to pick on another religion. This comes from either people who are politically correct, unbeliever humanists. It comes from the all roads lead to heaven crowd. It comes from the LDS or from Christians who don't know their Bibles. Let me remind you of a few important facts. The LDS founded their religion on criticizing other religions. The LDS still continue to criticize the Christian view of God. They mock the Trinity. They mock grace. They pick on Christianity as much as Christianity turns on them. Um, I also get the uh, criticism that you have no right to speak for the church. I have an email here that tells me, uh, because you left the church by your own admission, you are not an authority of the LDS church and should not present any of your comments in a matter so as to suggest that you are. You should not give even the slightest impression that you have the authority to quote LDS doctrine. Let me tell you something, the guy who wrote that. Wake up. I would rather hear from somebody who left communism, their insights, than a true believer of communism. The authority bit, as far as a priesthood authority, I have no LDS priesthood authority, you're right, because there is none. But I do have the right to speak out about what I've learned and what I know from firsthand experience. That has nothing to do with being, uh, having the authority from the LDS church. 
Finally, when you're in the system, you have no right to speak. If you speak, they excommunicate you. It's only from without the system that you have the opportunity to address the things that need to be addressed. So that, that criticism is really uh, shallow. Uh, many LDS shout, you have no right to tell me what I believe and what I don't. You're right. Individually, I don't know what you believe, but I do have a right to comment on what Mormonism stands for. And I have yet to be called out on anything over these past 35 shows that Mormonism, Mormonism does not believe. You know, I've had some historical issues. People have said, you can't use that quote. But generally, I know what you believe. I was one of you. So let's just be real here in our dialogue, and let's get away from these comments. Another one, which came from two weeks ago with Melissa, you are rude and unkind to LDS callers. You get angry. You cut people off. You are not like Jesus at all. Let me explain something uh, quickly, and we're going to go to the calls. At 16 years of age, I started working down at the beach in Southern California. I learned very quick. I still work down there today when I'm not working on the show. I work down at the same beach area. And I learned very quickly the difference between responding to a personal attack and responding in an emergency situation. Just last week while I'm working down there, I have somebody tell me, uh, give me vulgar remarks, call me names. I just smile and, and ask about how I can help them, and they're angry about something or another, and they just go on. But let me tell you something. When people are in danger, there's a time when you have to be emphatic and you can't let things go. When you're lifeguarding, if someone's in trouble, and I'm going to pretend you're the ocean, and you swim out to them, you're pulling a buoy behind you on a rope. And when you throw that buoy to them, they are terrified. Sometimes they're so afraid they don't know to grab the buoy. And you have to yell at them angrily, take the buoy now to wake them up and get them to think. And then they'll grab the buoy and they listen to you. Sometimes they'll grab the buoy and they'll start climbing the rope. We call it climbing the rope up to you so they can get you because you're a much stronger object in the ocean and in the waves than that little rope and buoy. And what you have to do as a lifeguard is you take that strap off and you dangle it and you say, I'm going to let you go back out into the waves if you don't get back to the end of that buoy. And then they back down and they get where they're supposed to be. You put the strap back on and you tow them in. If someone were to just to hear me say, get, you know, I'm going to let this go, boy, it would seem like a terrible thing. But we do it to save their life. If you are in the ocean and there's a big set coming and you're next to a pier and you're holding on to a person and the wave picks you up and, is, and you're going to hit the pier, guess what we do? We take them and we use them as a shield and we bounce off the pier with their body. We hit the pier with them. Why? Because if we're injured, we can't help them. There is a time to be emphatic and argumentative when it comes to the souls. You think I'm going to be passive? about people who call and try to present yourselves as Christian when you're not, it's not going to happen on this show because this church has gone uncontested on the airwaves in this area for how many hundreds of years? It's, it's going to be contested now. And if it seems like I'm angry, it's, I am angry because of what it does to people putting them on the hamster wheel and under a burden of legalisms and have nothing to do with the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the important things to understand about our mission, our ministry, and our methods. Do I love you? If you were LDS through and through, you had your last dollar, I'd give you mine. If you needed to be saved at the side of the road, I'd pick you up and give you mouth to mouth. I would sit up all night talking to you about doctrine if, if we were together. 
It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with standing for the truth amidst the lies that you have been fed. Okay. Woo! We are going to Anna, first-time caller in Pleasant Grove. Anna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Anna? You got to turn off your T. You have to turn off your T. Douglas? Douglas, yes. Douglas. How are you doing tonight? Good, Douglas. How are you doing? You got to be quick. Fine. Oh, okay. Um, in a book written by Matthew Brown, All Things Restored, Brigham Young declared that Joseph Smith was foreordained to stand as a leading prophet in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Wow. Joseph's grandfather, Asel Smith, had premonition that a prominent religious leader would someday be born into his family. Yeah. Now, you go on to page 34 of that book, and it talks about the legend of the Messiah Ben-Joseph. Ancient Hebrew traditions speak of two separate messiahs that were foreordained to rise among the covenant people of the Lord, one from the tribe of Judah, the Messiah Ben-David, and one from the tribe of the Messiah Ben-Joseph, Ephraim, and according to Jewish lore, the Messiah Ben-Joseph concept first arose when Rachel, the mother of Joseph of Egypt, prophesied that Joseph would be the ancestor of a Messiah who would arise at the end of times. Well, you talk about a billboard that says, praise to the man who can Jehovah. Yeah. Joseph Smith is revered as a Messiah. Uh, and so if you take in context what you talk about, who do they worship? Jesus Christ of the Bible or Joseph Smith of the prophecy of the Messiah Ben Joseph? Well, Doug, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, first of all, you brought up things I, uh, I didn't, I've never heard. And it's great. I have to check those out. I'm sure they're, they're right on because you're really good with your information. But in my experience, that you, I don't know if they hold up J Joseph over Jesus. And I've always defended that they don't worship Jesus. But I'll tell you this much. You have to have faith in him. And that is really horrible. That is horrible. It is. Yeah. It is. yeah. Hey, man, Doug, keep I, it I coming. Do. I believe the Book of Mormon is 1800 fiction. Oh, sure. It's never been archaeological, DNA any kind of correlation between history and the Book of Mormon. And so if Joseph Smith is truly a prophet of God, the Book of Mormon, uh, I believe that they're both extremely, terrifyingly, wickedly wrong. Yeah. And anyone who believes in the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith as a Messiah, Ben Joseph. Big trouble, right? Boy, that's scary to me. Doug, always thank you so much. Great information. Hey, you guys have a wonderful evening. Same to you. God bless. God bless. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Anna, first-time caller on line four. Anna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, John. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you and have God bless you for your calling in life. Uh, I think you do such a nice job. Thanks, Anna. And it gives me and other people a place to talk about Mormons. <laughs> oh, good. Without feeling so guilty. Uh, I'm a first call, first time caller, and I want to make a couple of comments about myself and three small scriptures and a question. Fire away. 
Okay, I'm Anna, and I'm from the LDS Pioneers on both sides. That is till I was 18 to 45 years of age. Then I bounced back and forth. I'm a Mormon, I'm not. And it was a lot of blaming myself and my shortcomings and the devil. But now I'm 59, and since age 45, I've educated myself and no longer believe in the LDS Church. I've been chasing Christianity in the Bible since I was 12. Wow. And uh, I believe now, like I read when I was very young, the truth shall set you free. Oh, yes. Uh, my heart goes out to those that have been calling in to you and asking about marriage. And that's why I want to read a couple of brief things from the Bible. Uh, the first one is, it's... Uh, you got to be quick, Anna. Yeah, it's Matthew twenty-two twenty-eight, Matthew 22, chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. That's too many, now, Anna. It's, yeah. It's too many verses, honey. I'm sorry. Okay, how about one? Okay, give me one. Now then, and, and the verses for the other ones. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. You're right. Uh, the way the LDS answer that is, you're right, there won't be any marriages in heaven. The marriages happen here. That's how they answer it. Hey, go to... Oh, get, you're kidding. No, that's how they do it. You hey, know, that's the thing. Every time I find... And I get that milk and meat stuff. Yeah, you get that a lot. Anna, what's your question? Um, my question is, uh, I've been back for two years, right? Yeah. And... Um, I've noticed, and I've been putting little things together because I've never heard anybody come right out and say it, but like the Bank of Zion and Zion this and that, do the Mormons believe they're the new Jews? They don't believe they're the new Jews, but they believe that they are the, the new uh, church, the new chosen people. They've been adopted into the House of Israel, and uh, it's a continuation. They still have a respect for the Jews, but they do believe that they're like the new Jerusalem. Yeah, and that's why there's a lot of parallels there. Does that help? Yeah, but that's not true either. Though, no, right? it's it's not. I mean, it's not true. The Jews are the Jews, and the Gentiles are the Gentiles. Because it does say in the Bible that if I was just reading it this week, that if the Jews don't listen to God, don't believe Jesus, that He'll take that word to the new uh, to the heathen nations. Yes, He will. And listen, I figured that's what the Mormons An were going on. Anna. They Anna? didn't believe in it. Anna. So they took it to the new Anna? Jews. I mean, they became new Jews. Anna? Uh-huh. We got to go. I'm sorry. You're, I know you're a first-time caller, but we got to keep it fast. Okay. Hey, thank you for calling and watching, Anna. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Grant and Payson on line three. Grant, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hey, Grant. Uh, this is, uh, I'm just calling about, uh, uh, you got to get it out, brother. Okay, I think it's funny that you uh, talk about uh, us, uh, the LDS, not believing in Christ. Oh, I didn't say that, Grant. That we are not saved because 
uh, of the beliefs we have. You're not saved because of the beliefs you have. Come on, man. You're not saved because you uh, are endowed in a temple through uh, the, the rites and rituals there. You're not saved by that at all or exalted by that. Be that either. What's that? We believe we're saved by the grace of Christ. Yeah, but how you define saved means resurrection, right? Grant? Uh, it means resurrection, right? Well, we're all resurrected, correct? Look, don't ask, ask me if that means resurrection or not in the LDS church. Or does salvation mean living with God again, Grant? Does it mean living with God again in your terms, or does it not? Right. It does? It does? Grant? Yes. No, it doesn't. And now either you're being dishonest or you don't know your theology. So either way, the call's ridiculous. We've got to move on. Okay, let's go to someone else. Uh, we're going to line three. Where's the, where's the uh, yellow um, disc? Yeah, I don't know where it is. We're going to line three. You're on Heart of the Matter. We're having a slight technical difficulty. Just lost line three. All right, let's go to um, some questions. A no-name says, this is message for Sean or Shane, whatever your name is. I was trying to watch your program. I was wondering why you're always bashing on the Mormons all the time. Uh, watch this show again, or hopefully you've seen it tonight. You'll understand why and the purpose of that. Uh, another question. Uh, Sam called and he says, I am a sinner that wants to change. I'd rather be, uh, I am trying to watch every week. I want to change. I want to know what is going on. My life is in turmoil. Sam, uh, hopefully we can talk, but turn your life over to the Lord and uh, go find a good Christian church. Walk in those doors. Confess yourself as a sinner and uh, ask the Lord to give you new life and he'll do it. He is faithful in his promises to you, Sam. You'll be given a new life and a new spirit and an ability to walk through this fallen world with his power and not your own. All right, we're going to Catherine, first time caller from Murray. Catherine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Kevin. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. I have a question. Okay, I am Hispanic. And uh -huh. I grew up in Utah. Um, I was Catholic when I was younger. And I never understood how, um, you know, Mormon people could be so racist towards, you know, Catholics or Hispanic people or black or, you know, Navajo. And um, one day in 10th grade, one of my friends said, hey, Kathy, guess what? The Mormons just allowed black people to join the church. And I said, why? Why would a black person want to join the church? Any kind of ethnic group. Why would they do that? What is the fascination for Polynesians, Navajo, Mexican, um, the Latinos, um, mm -hmm. you know, black people? I don't understand. I, I was hit by a car one time, and I met some Japanese people. They were wanted to pray for me. They wanted my name so they could put my name on the Mormon temple. Mm. And I said, no. I, you know, it's nice that you want to pray for me, but not at the temple. Uh -huh. <laughs> but Ca Catherine, what is the fascination? Couple, couple clarifications, Catherine. One is... Uh, Blacks could always be members, of course, Hispanics and Navajos, always members of the church. It's just the blacks could not, not one drop of Negro blood, they said, could be in a person. And if it was, they could not hold the priesthood. Now, to me, you know, it's the same thing. You go to church, but you can't be involved in a lot of the things because of it. So, but they could always be members. There has never been an edict against other races except black. But 
um, why different ethnicities are drawn to the church seem to be a number of reasons. One, they go out on missions to foreign lands and they uh, preach a gospel at that level at a very different, in a very different way than they do in the fullness. They don't talk about all the things that go on. They get people to join the church. The church seems very good. They see these clean-cut missionaries from America and they get in, enthused about what they offer. They talk to them about all the great things. And then also, um, there's a welfare program that goes on within the church. It's a very wealthy church, and it has benefits to people who are struggling. And so all those things, plus they teach self-sufficiency. So there's a lot of good programs. There's a missionary effort. There's a monetary reason. They teach the missionaries the language and, and the culture. And man, they just, uh, the church has grown far more in the uh, Hispanic areas of this world than it is in America. Uh -huh. And it continues to. Oh, okay. So that's some insight into why. Is, is there something to do with dark-skinned people have something to do with the planet Kolob? No, nothing whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. The planet Kolob was a reference in, I think it's in the uh, Pearl of Great Price. And uh, just to let you know so we don't get the emails, the planet Kolob, Joseph Smith said, was the planet closest to God. I always like how these names have like some kind of you know, like Star Trek sound. Kolob. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. That is something to be fun. I know Mormons who make fun of that stuff. So uh, thank you so much for the call, Catherine. I thank you for what you're doing for all of us. Oh, thank you. And I will see you on the right hand of Jesus. All right. God bless. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to Johnny, line four. Johnny and Orem, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, I just have a question. Um, I, I love your show. I've called uh, maybe twice. And um, do you get any response from the people out in Huntington Beach? Are they aware of what you do here, like the, the former people of, uh, you know, the LDS Church? Have, have you ever been subjected to any comments about what, what you're doing up here? All the time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, well, listen, um, I just want to tell you, I got that... Uh, Focus and direction for 2007, and I think uh, your idea for uh, a DVD collection uh, for the 2006 shows is, is a really great idea. Oh, good! And I, um, I really, really appreciate watching you. All right, Johnny, I really appreciate the call, man. All right, well, you take care. Thanks a lot. God bless. Bye. Bye, bye. Okay, let's go to more questions. We're having some operators. The lines are full. If you get a busy signal or you get a recording, keep trying to call, you'll get through and be able to talk to an operator. Okay, uh, again from Wayne. Man, it's like we've got pages full of questions and it's all, Sean, I just wanna know, my question is harder than that, why are you attacking the Mormon church? I just want to know why you are attacking the Mormon, he says it twice, and not discussing your own religion. That is uncalled for. Oh, boy. You know, it's almost like we have to have a disclaimer on this show. Every show, maybe every five minutes, why we do what we do. Watch this show again, and you'll understand part, partially why we do what we do. I'm attacking Mormonism, hopefully you'll understand, and not Mormons. And there is a difference, and if you sit down and think about those differences, you'll understand our methods better. Okay, we got a call that's come through. Gary, uh, first-time caller on line two. Gary, you're on Heart of the Matter. on about the ethnicities and I just wanted to say that um, the reason that they 
get those kinds of people because they can't speak English. They don't really understand what's going on. If they <clears throat> really wanted to uh, convert someone, they should convert myself that can speak English, and they would have a harder time. I see. That's what I want to say. Hey, that's a good point. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. A comment here from Bob South Jordan said, read 1 Corinthians 11.2. Paul praises, put some quote, praises the brethren for remembering him and holding to the teachings. Okay, I understand. So that's the context in which you put it. I wonder if it's also in the Bible that, that Christians are going to have to go before Paul and meet him at the pearly gates before they're allowed in, or is it just Jesus? Because in the LDS, if we're making comparisons, you're going to have to go before Joseph and be judged before you get into heaven. So we make a comparison, Bob, between Joseph and try to say Paul's the same, but I see a lot of differences. I don't see uh, songs in the Christian hymnal that say, praise to the man speaking of Paul. And they go on and on and on about the allocations. I don't see anything about these, uh, these things from Paul and Joseph that are compared. So it was a nice try with your uh, apologetics, but it fails again. I'm sorry. Okay, let's go to Julie in Clearfield, first-time caller on line four. Julie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm a convert to the church, mm-hmm. and I just have a question for you. Okay. Are you a member? I was, Julie, 40 years. So what do you gain from teaching people about the church? I gain uh, the fact that I'm following what the Lord wants me to do. He wants you to teach about the church but not be a member. He wants me to teach people to be prepared for what they're getting into when they're in Mormonism, to understand what... That's what what the church does, and that's what missionaries do. No, they don't. Julie, you're jumping... This is another Melissa. Ask about the Bible and things like that. Julie, Julie, I've had numerous, numerous conversations Julie, your numerous conversations... All about... Julie, the Bible. Julie, your numerous conversations are subjective experiences. As a whole, the missionaries do not talk about many things LDS. You're painting a false picture here. Actually, they do. Well, actually, I've they don't. I've never had a missionary not talk about an LDS thing. Really? Do they talk yeah. about Kolob to the people who are investigating the church, Julie? I am an inde- I was an investigator. Do they talk about Kolob? About what? Did they teach you about Joseph Smith's wives, his first one being a teenager hidden from Emma? Did he teach you about oh, that? his first wife was a teenager hidden from Emma. His first wife was a teenager hidden from Emma. Sorry, yeah, Julie. Yeah, that's what I said. They was. taught you that? They taught you that in their home discussions when they came and taught you about the church? No, I Okay, well, then it. they... There's two things I've brought up. Did they teach you about what you uh, covenant to in the temple? Do they teach you have to I have... I know about the temple. I've been in the temple. I didn't ask that. My I, didn't, my I didn't ask that, Julie. I asked you if the missionaries teach you about the covenants you make when you go into the temple and that you have to have the new and everlasting covenant to live with God again. Do they teach you yes, that? when? you told me that. No, they didn't. Oh, I have a different question, too, actually. Oh, we're gonna, now we're going to joust on questions. Listen. Oh, no, I just have one more question, and then we'll be all go done. Up. Okay, we're all done. Earlier, you had asked... Or, I had watched one of your shows earlier, and you had stated about how the Sabbath day does not need to be holy anymore because the New Testament states that it doesn't. I'd like to know a scripture where it states that it doesn't. There's only two the po- Old Testament and the New Testament are completely separate, and they're not tied in together. Okay, take and a breath. You do not have to keep the Sabbath Take a day breath, holy. Julie. You're going to pass out here. Listen, Julie, there's two places, only two places, in the New Testament where it talks about Sabbath days. In both of those places... It is saying, don't observe them anymore. 
Now, if you email me next week, next week, you can do a Google search on Sabbath day and find it. But next week, I will start the show off with an answer to your question on where, because next week we are talking about the Sabbath day. And I have that okay, in my notes well, to announce. Great. I don't watch your show. My husband does. Well, I think you must watch I think it. It's ridiculous. Well, you're I don't on here with me. Who preach things? It that sounds to are me are not true, but that's okay. Have oh, a nice I day. I think everything I'm saying is true, me. Julie. Everything I say is true. Are you done? All right, Julie hung up. Okay, we have to understand, and it's normal. And 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 those of you who interact with Latter Day Saints know that this is what it is. Uh, you ever see Aquaman, the cartoon? If you haven't, it goes back to my era. But Aquaman would go and he'd wing up balls of water and he'd throw them. And he'd ring up another one and throw it. And another one. And he'd just keep doing And that's what LDS do. They just have to go from one thing until they find something that they can make it look like you're wrong. Julie, you're so misled. I'm sorry about that. And I pray that you will come to know grace through Jesus and salvation through him and him alone. And I mean that with the bottom line. I don't like your arguing. You really bug me. But I want you to know the Lord because when you do, you're going to be free and really experience liberty. Okay, let's go to Christy in Clearfield, line one. Christy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, Sean. Hello. Um, you, shame on you. <laughs> I got, what did you girls all call each other tonight? No, I don't know, Julie. Oh, okay. But what I'm saying is... The Relief Society made an announcement? You know that <laughs> the LDS people... Jesus is number one, and we don't, I mean, we can sing praise to the man, because Joseph Smith did a lot for the church, but Christ is taught in, in sacrament meeting, in primary, in Sunday school, release study, all those, and you know darn well that he is taught there, and that he is his church, and it's not Joseph Smith's church, and if you want to just keep, you know, wah, 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 wah about the Mormons. Go ahead. I think, you know, I think you was probably a really good seminary teacher. I was. That. Yeah, I researched it. But I think you, we, I think you, you, you Come just on. got your feelings hurt in the church or something. It, what, my feelings were so hurt, I just, oh, I got so angry, I had to leave those people. You know what, that's one of the things that wanted me to stay in the church is how much I loved them and how much I really like them as people. So you've got that one wrong. You want to try another one? You can ask anybody who's in the LDS Church in Huntington Beach when they see me. They like me, and I like them. Oh, I'm sure they like me. I like them. I love them. I have never been hurt by them in the church, so you're wrong about that. Well. You want to try another hypothecation to try to make it make sense in your life? Say all you want. Well, give me something else. Um, you, you don't let people who are pro-LDS uh, even speak very much. I'm letting you speak right now. Say something of worth. Tell me another one. Tell me another one. Tell me another one. It doesn't make any sense. So, I think it makes complete sense. We've had 34 shows that lay out the facts. I have never had anybody say that fact is not right. And yet all you're doing is saying you left the church because your feelings were hurt. This is an emotional uh, uh, appeal that you're doing. That's what you're trying to do is make it that it's a personal thing with me. I'm sorry. I left the church because of doctrine. It is. Doctrine, dear. And if you knew your doctrine, you'd leave too. But you don't. About so us. You believe what you want to believe about the church, oh. but you don't know oh. the doctrine. Oh, let me talk. But shame Go on ahead. you. We worship, we worship our Heavenly Father and Christ, and we don't put Joseph Smith above anybody, okay? So really? So don't act like that anymore. Well, I'll try not to. You okay. Are we done? I think we're done. All right. Goodbye. All right. 
Who are we going to now? It's Yvonne. I'm scared to take Yvonne, man. These ladies are teaming up. Yvonne, you're on line three. First time caller. Yes. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, Yvonne. You have your TV on? I just turned it off. Okay. Fire away. Okay. I mean um, that figuratively. This, this fits, I have two different things I want to hit on just real quick. Okay. Uh, I was going through the um, LDS website, and I came up on something. At, uh, I'm going to read just a real short one. It's Brigham Young stated, no man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith, Jr. as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are. And it's from the Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 289. Yvonne, that is perfect timing. I don't come up here with anything but what I've prepared for the show. I love the fact that you back up so people can hear that Joseph plays more of a significant role than what they try to pretend here on TV. Okay, next thing. Okay, the next thing is that um, uh, the difference between prescunio and obeisance. Uh-huh. Okay, there is a big difference. Okay. Prescunio is to fall down and worship. Okay. Okay, obeisance is to obey. Okay. Now, um, I had a man that was just totally physically abusive, and I obeyed him to the letter. Okay. It's very obeisant. Now, you can obey somebody through terror, and to be strong, you can obey somebody that you absolutely hate, mm -hmm. but you cannot worship without love and reference. Amen. Reference. Love it. So mm -hmm. that's basically what it, what it boils down to. Yvonne, fantastic insights, and uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate the backup. Hey, Christians out there and people studied in LDS, when I start to uh, not have my things right at the tip of my tongue because I can't have everything, it's great when you call and follow up and give some stuff to support it because we're just showing them no matter what they say and their opinions are, we have things to back it up. Great, Yvonne, thank you so much. Just a minute. Uh, I'm, this is a four-page thing that I, wrote, that I read that from, yeah. and I'm trying to get a fax number to send it to you because there's a lot more on it. Hold on the line, and our operator will give you the fax. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Okay, and we're going to hold... Line three, and we're going to David, first-time caller in Layton on line two. Yeah. Hey, David. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. You got to turn your TV off, David. All right. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, pretty good. All right. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. So, uh, first things first, uh, what is your view on homosexuality? I think homosexuality is a, a, a sin of uh, the fall, and I think that it is, uh, in God's eyes, probably no different than any sin that keeps people from him. Uh, I don't look at homosexuals and judge them harsher than I do adulterers or, or, uh, or drunkards or liars or cheaters. I think sin is sin, and uh, people are people, and until uh, homosexuals are reborn, I think they're going to struggle with that in the flesh and probably fail to it every time. All right, next question. Um, I have friends talking to me about how in the LDS Church, every Sunday they wallop and talk a lot about Joseph Smith. Uh -huh. And when she goes to other churches, 
there doing their sermons on, let's say, Jesus Christ. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Totally know what you're talking about. All right. What's your view? I think that uh, it's indicative of where their heart is. The primary children spend an entire year on learning the lives and history of their prophets, modern-day guys from Gordon B. Hinckley backward. I think they pay a lot of attention to men, and I think that Jesus uh, takes a back seat. I call him a footnote to the religion, and I believe that's what he is. You got to turn that off. David. Say what? You turn that TV back on. I got to let you go, man. David was messing around. We're going to Joe. We only have two minutes. First time caller, Centerville, line four. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. You only have one minute, my brother. Oh, one minute. I've been calling in for almost three weeks, and I just finally got in. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let me just say uh, I really appreciate your show. I am an active member of the church, but listening to your program uh, helps to build my testimony. I, I do appreciate your questions and giving me the opportunity to, to research uh, what, you, what you talk about. But um, I just wanted to ask real quick, you, um, a lot of the allegations that you uh, have, that, that you come up with on your show when you say, um, you know, the, the church believes this, and you'll say that's not biblical. Um, I'm just wondering if you could share a scripture with me uh, from the Bible that says that the Bible is all that there is. I can't because there isn't one. There isn't one. No. So, do now, you believe then that it's possible that um, God may have talked to other prophets? I think that God talks to people who have the gift of prophecy. I think God speaks to people all the time. But do you I, there are writings then? No. Um, I don't believe there are writings because the writings were left to the first-hand witnesses of Jesus and his life in the New Testament. And when that finished with John, uh, you know, that was it. He was the last first-hand witness, and there was no need for prophets any longer because the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. But does the Bible say that, um, that it's a collection of books? No, it doesn't say that anywhere. And, and if that's the argument, then you've won because it doesn't say anywhere that this is the complete collection of books. Now, Christians believe that because Revelation was put last, and the last verses in Revelation say, you know, don't add or take to this book that it's referring to the whole book. I know it's just one single book of Revelation, but Bob, we have 15 seconds, man. Call back, brother. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you Quick. Do, could you do a show on maybe how the Bible was put together? We did. Go to the Bible show. Go check it out. All right, everybody. We love you. See you next week, Sabbath day on Heart in the Matter of the Matter. I'm on a ride, going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled monkeys start 